The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Sheila Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. Ben and I just talked for like an hour, like 12 hours ago on the Ringer NFL feed. You can listen to that. Extra Point Taken is the name of the episode where we're giving league-wide thoughts. But today, we're doing the Wednesday 10. We're switching it up. We don't need to wait till Thursday. It was a bye week. We've got takes to fire off. We'll talk a little Eagle Steelers. We've got a bunch of mailbag questions that you guys sent last week. We want to get to a lot of those. And of course, we will finish with our game predictions, Benny Souls, how are we doing? I, uh, I, I'm good. I was reflecting the last time we recorded Extra Point Taken that we probably at some point have to do an Eagles thing on that pod. We just never have because we've never needed to because we just do them here. At some point, we should probably actually talk about the undefeated Eagles on the national feed that we're on. But for now, you know, keep it, keep it, keep it in, in, the, in the family. Keep it at home. I disagree. See, this is how you build a brand. And so uh, those who listen said. to us on Extra Point Taken, they know if they want our Eagles takes, they have to subscribe to the Ringers Philly special. If they don't, you're just going to be stuck not knowing what we think about the Eagles all season. But I, you know, it could be a good promo opportunity. Maybe we do a little segment. Here's a little taste. If you want more, go to the Ringers Philly special. Just a thought. All right. You look like your eyes are glazing over. When, how long well, have you slept this week? I, you know, we do the podcast and then I wake up in the morning and you have a column up. Like, what is going on? I'm feeling what is it your today. Schedule? I absolutely am. It's You're on like Nick Sirianni time. Yeah, busy week. Yeah, I, I, I am on my theoretical Nick Sirianni sleeping hours. Um, <laughs> and we're getting to that part of the season where it's like, oh, that's right, you got to do this for like 18 weeks in a row. First month, you're feeling great, and then you realize it's kind of a kind of a grind. But that's all right. We go we go to the performance specialists. I'm going to change my nutrition, hit the sleep schedule going, get the tracking going, mm-hmm. the sleep pods, do all the Chip Kelly stuff, and we'll be, uh, we'll be good for uh, the winter months. Here we go. 
I would love to do all that stuff. They showed the they showed the uh, clip last night on Monday Night Football of Justin Fields looking at a tablet while somebody stretched out like his hips and his quads, yeah. and I'm just like, I've never been more jealous of a professional. Do you have the uh, Do you have any like of the sleep tracking stuff? Some of this the sleep tracking software nonsense. Uh, I do. I've got the, I just have the, an, an app and I wear the, uh, the, the Apple watch. And so it yeah. tells me, uh, how much sleep I I've recently you? started doing this. The results are not good. <laughs> the, 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 the app is very worried about me. The app is highly concerned by the rest that I get and when I get it and the quality of it. I don't know if this is everyone. I found I got to a certain age and I'm just like, I can't live like that anymore. If I'm getting five hours of sleep, I'm a disaster the next day. It's not going to go well in my personal life or my professional life. And so I got to get to like the minimum, like sort of six and a half. Uh, if I can get like seven, seven and a half, then I'm feeling good all day. All right. We have some more personal questions, by the way, in the mailbag. Oh, good, okay, so don't good, worry. Good, 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 There's good. more where that came from. But let's start with this matchup. Eagles come back from the bye. They're facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, question number one. How do we feel about this Steelers offense? I'll give you some of the numbers first. 24th in DVOA, 21st passing, 30th rushing, 31st in EPA per drive, 27th in success rate. Kenny Pickett obviously took over after they benched Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, how do you feel about this group, Benjamin? Yeah, uh, it's not a good offense, and that was foreseeable. And I think as as it's panned out the way that was expected preseason. Always nice to get one right. Uh, yeah. A lot of the big talking points, the the headlines, the punchy ideas that people discuss when they talk about good offenses, use a lot of motion, use a lot of play action. Why isn't the team running more motion, more play action? Are things that are uh, exemplified by Steelers offensive coordinator Matt Canada for what they are, which are tools that can be used incorrectly. They are not panaceas. They do not immediately solve the problem. You go to find, uh, you know, you rank offenses by pre-stat motion rate, you're going to find the Steelers number one. Ranks, rank offenses by play action rate, you're going to find the Steelers top three, top five. It's still a really bad offense. And that's because there, you, you have to have elements. There are core tenets of an offense which motion and play action can buttress, but they can't replace them. So the Steelers don't throw to the middle of the field. Well, if you're going to run play action, you don't throw to the middle of the field. You're not getting any return out of this play action, at least in terms of the modern NFL and how play action works. Run all this pre-snap motion. Well, if it's going to make your pace of play really, really slow, the Steelers use the play clock more than any team in the league. They're regularly snapping the ball five seconds left, four seconds left. They're moving guys in motion so much. You're just not going to run as, as many plays. You're not going to score as many points, right? It's also going to... Uh, if you're not targeting the players off of motion correctly and intelligently, it's not going to get returned for you. When they throw it to guys who are in motion, they just throw it to like the flats. Like they're not like getting downfield at all off of yeah. it. So what you have right now, especially since they've had Kenny Pickett in the building, is an offense that is extremely reliant on underneath passing. They run slant flat and they run stick and they run snag and they run all the kind of the classic west coast ideas to get guys open underneath and then they get those five yard completions they'll motion three dudes beforehand but then they're just getting to like basic stuff they'll run sprint out series right snap the ball immediately run into the sideline uh and then they're cutting the field in half. And again, they're trying to, they, they want to see if they can get downfield, but they usually can't. So they end up throwing to the ball underneath. When they do throw the ball downfield, it is a contested one-on-one -on -one ball to uh, either George Pickens or Deontay Johnson along the outside, which pretty good receivers to throw like back shoulder fade stuff to and like downfield shot play stuff to, but nothing that's consistent, nothing that's reliable. They don't have the ability to scheme guys open more than six yards down the field. It's very, very pitiful. Uh, 
accordingly, this is not an offense that scares you. The only way this would really scare you is if like they had like a Jalen Hurts Eagles offensive line running game sort of situation where they could be so diverse in the running game that all they had to do was throw underneath and they'd be fine. They don't. They have Najee Harris, who's a fine back, but not really like an explosive play generator. They have a poor offensive line and they don't have a running quarterback. So this running game is really, 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 really bad. And then they don't have the ability to scheme guys open. So this is a great matchup for the Eagles because of Darius Slay and James Bradbury, right? They're very well suited to dealing with two good outside receivers in Pickens and in Deontay Johnson. Eagles fans will remember Chase Claypool's incredible game against them a few years ago on kind of his rookie season when he broke yeah. out. He still represents a little bit of an issue because he's about as big of a player as you're going to find in the slot. And Avanti Maddox obviously is a pretty small guy. So Claypool up the middle is going to potentially cause him some problems. Um, but they're well matched up for the outside stuff. They're already built to kind of force underneath throws, then rally and tackle. And they're not going to lose in the running game so long as they get into their early down fronts that they like. So even if they're running their four down stuff, Steelers offensive line is not very good. Uh, there's nothing about this offense that scares you. Most of the offensive coordinators that get crushed around the NFL will at least have a faction of defenders. You know, I'm thinking about somebody like a Joe Lombardi for the Chargers. And, you know, people will say, hey, well, look at the Greg Roman. They've been uh, Greg Roman. Right. You can you can make the case for most of these guys that, hey, it's a little bit unfair how harsh the criticism is. I don't think that exists with Matt Canada. I think he's been universally crushed. I think it's been rightfully so. I have not seen anyone really with any credibility make the case that, no, it's not on Matt Canada, that he's doing a good job. If you read any Steelers coverage right now, my gosh, their fans are just like, this is, you know, Matt, Mm -hmm. every question I was just reading, I think a mailbag on the athletic and basically every other question was about Matt Canada. You said it, uh, he believes motion can solve the world's problems, uh, and that is not the case. Uh, the uh, my, my favorite thing is when the I like the old school football types who will constantly get so frustrated when motion is viewed as like motion is the answer, like motion is the problem solver, and and they they say no, right. you know, motion when used properly can help your offense. Motion for right. the sake of motion does nothing, and this is the offense that has motion for the sake of motion, as you just uh, pointed out there. So yeah. Not well coached, not well coordinated, uh, mental errors all over the place. It is not a good group from that perspective. Uh, I like the I like the pass catching options. I mean, you know, Pickens. Everybody loves Pickens. Uh, Deontay Johnson uh, can be a fun player in the right system. I I still like Chase Claypool. I mean, I I don't Me know if they're going to trade him. If I needed a wide receiver, if I needed a a, a weapon, uh, he's somebody I would target. He's still on his rookie contract for this year, and I believe next year. So it's not like you're looking for a rental. So uh, I feel like the price might be. I think I had it as maybe like a second round pick uh, for Chase Claypool because I'd be surprised it, if it takes that. Well, you look at what wide receivers get on the open market. You know, Christian Kirk got, what was it, 18 million? Yeah, right? yeah and 72 so- over four. Yeah, so Chase Claypool is absolutely in the in the category. So if if you can get an inexpensive wide receiver, I think that it may take uh, a little bit more, but maybe not. You're right. We don't know. I mean, the Steelers have to be motivated, though. They still have him, like I said, under contract for next season. So I don't think they would be smart to just give him away. But Fryermuth in the middle of the field has made some plays for them. So it's like they have some options where you look at it and go, you know what? If they were better coached, if they had a better coordinator, this could be a better group. But that just has not been the case. Uh, the O-line is not very good. They can't run the ball at all. I mean, 
Najee Harris, I think it's fair to say. I know it's not all Najee Harris. Let me get that out of the way. Their run blocking has not been good. But I think it's fair to say he's been a disappointment uh, so far. You thought maybe he can do right. a little bit more with less, and that hasn't really been the case. There's been 46 players with at least 50 rushes this year. Najee Harris is last in success rate and 45th out of 46 in yards per carry at 3.29 yards per carry. So uh, to me, their offense, if they're going to have like a surprise game, it's just going to be, target those guys on the outside and see if they can just have it, you know, see if they can just win George Pickens uh, specifically just throw jump balls to him uh, because he is that type of athlete where you're like, man, if he just got like, you know, a bunch of those targets where he's one-on-one, if, if you're playing single high or whatever, and you just let him make a play, he can make a lot of those plays, I think, and has the upside to take over a game. But uh, in general, not a good group. Uh, Kenny Pickett, you were not a Kenny Pickett fan coming into the dra- NFL, I believe. And right. right now, where do you stand with him based on what you've seen? Yeah, I, w- I went through that Dolphins film earlier today. And it's like, if you want to talk yourself into Kenny Pickett, you certainly can. Like, oh, a timely third and 12 scramble. You know, like, oh, through an accurate, you know, ball to George Pickens, good placement on the touchdown, you know, outside shoulder. So if you want to, you can. The If you were dropped into... This is a, a first-round quarterback with no background, no allegiance to the Steelers, no allegiance to the city of Pittsburgh. You'd go, okay, well, that's not very exciting. And that's that's the issue is that if Pickett hits, the range of outcomes for Pickett is not as high. The ceiling is not as good as if most quarterbacks that we see drafted in the first round hit. Most of the time when you're drafting a guy in the first round, like, yeah, because if he hits, he's going to be a franchise-defining 10-year player for us. He's going to win a Super Bowl. The Pickett plays... And when I should say it this way, when Pickett wins, when he won in college, he wins with athleticism and arm talent. He does not win with processing. He does not win with like, he's accurate, but he doesn't win with like pinpoint accuracy, pocket movement by an extra half second. There's this yeah. myth around him that he's this going to be this like pocket guy or like manages the field, goes one to two to three progressions and smart. He's never, never, never. He's never won that way. Go watch the last year in Pitt. He's winning on scrambles. He's winning on arm talent. He doesn't have like the longest arm, but he's got like good arm slides. He's got good velocity to the short areas. Like I said, he's got accuracy to him. It's it's athleticism and arm talent. So he did that in college. It didn't work for a long time. It only started working once he was two, three years older than everybody else on the field. And now he's in the NFL. And guess what he's trying to win with? Athleticism and arm talent. It's what he won with in college. And so that's why you get him out of the pocket, moving to his left, trying a Mahomes throw over Noah Igbenogany to win the game to Deontay Johnson. And the ball didn't even get close. So So... You're, you're going to ask a player who has always won on athleticism and arm talent to stop doing so, to start winning in a different way. Because he can't win in the NFL athleticism and arm talent. He's not enough of an athlete. He's going to have to win with, with, with processing. He's going to have to win with accuracy. He's going to have to win with traits. He hasn't shown he has. And if he does, he's still a below average athlete for the NFL level. So it's just I, I, I struggle to find juice that's worth the squeeze in, in the Kenny Pickett arc. With that said, he's going to get the, the, the single greatest thing that any quarterback can get time opportunity reps like i liked malik willis more coming out desmond ritter more coming out but right now the most likely of those three to become good is kenny pickett because kenny pickett gets to play football and that's that's the number one thing so improve week over week and you shut me up it doesn't matter um but watching him right now it's like yeah if you want to talk yourself into him fine but i i don't i don't see how that you want this to kind of be the future that you're writing for yourself at the quarterback position 
Yeah, he's really looked like standard rookie quarterback so far, where it's like you said, if you are a Steelers fan and you want him to be your guy uh, for years to come, then you can talk yourself into some of this. He gives guys chances on the outside. He can move a little bit. Uh, he can pick up a first down with his legs. Um, beyond that, there hasn't been a whole lot to get excited about, but you can have the conversation you have around most rookie quarterbacks, which is the the co- are they putting him in positions to succeed? Are they, you know the easy button that we always talk about with some of these offenses and with the, uh, are you okay? You just had, what was that? A smoothie sip and it, did it go down the wrong? Pipe no, no, no. As I took a drink, I went to put my phone on the oh. desk and, and checked to make sure it was on do not disturb. And then I opened it and it wasn't on do not disturb. So it started making noise. So then I made the face off of gotcha. the noise, but fortunately <laughs> producer Cliff's going to remove that. No, absolutely not. No, we don't edit stuff like that. We only edit if it's something that could get us fired or terrible cough, something like that. Now, how is that? How is Papa Solak feeling about the the Steelers? He's a he's a lifelong Steelers yes. fan, right? Does he like this team? Does he hate this team? Is he hopeful? Haven't, is he, I, I uh, haven't uh, chatted with him since uh, since last night, actually, since uh, or excuse okay. me, since two nights ago, Steelers Dolphins. Um, I know that mo- uh, after the they, they beat the Buccaneers. He was a little bit further off of the they should fire Mike Tomlin train. He is still a member of the they should fire Mike Tomlin oh, train. Oh I'm really gosh. trying to talk him off of. It's not going super well. <laughs> he also, um, he loves Trubisky. The reason he loves Trubisky is because uh, Trubisky's name in, in his theory, and this is this probably has some, some uh, uh, legitimacy to it, is like a mutation, is like an uh, anglicizing off of a, a common Russian last name, Trubetskoy. Like we have cousins who are the Trubetskoys and we think that Trubisky comes with Trubetskoy. So he loves to call him Mitchell Trubetskoy and he thinks that's very funny uh, and 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 that endears him to Mitchell. So he was very happy Mitchell came in and, and won the game against the Steelers. He said it was good that he got benched. He's kind of going to play with more, uh, you know, more, more with less to lose now, right? A little bit more gung-ho and then obviously he didn't start and think it's going to be the start of the rest of the way, but he's very excited for Mitchell. God, he sounds like he would be an amazing podcast guest. Just that, just that sixty seconds that you gave. I mean, those takes are better than any take I've given on extra point yeah. taken. There, and we're in. He is a uh, he is a religious listener to Pittsburgh sports radio, and that is from where he has gotten his Mike Tomlin should be fired theories. And I am desperately trying to eradicate this from his life. All right, there you go. I like that update. We'll get an update. Maybe we get an update after the game before we do the post game pod. Have a little, have a little chat. See what he thinks we'll about uh, the game on Sunday. We'll- All right, question number two: Steelers defense. How do you feel about it? Fourteenth in DVOA, fifteenth versus the pass, ninth versus the run. 18th in EPA per drive, 11th in success rate. Now, uh, they had a great week one against the Cincinnati Bengals where T.J. Watt was T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt got injured in that game, has been out since. And so if you look at it since then, uh, they are 22nd in EPA per drive just from week two to week seven, but played pretty well last week against the Dolphins. I mean, they got, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins scored early. In that game, I think had 13 points in the quickly, yeah, first, first three drives, something like that. And the Steelers dropped what four, five interceptions in that game. I mean, if they come so up bad. with a couple of those, it certainly could be a different outcome. I do like the coaching brain trust there. You have Tomlin, who's seen it all. You have Brian Flores, who has come up with fantastic game plans for his whole career. And then Terrell Austin is a veteran defensive coordinator there. So, what I'm most actually interested to see in this game. I don't think they're going to shut down the Eagles. I mean, we'll get to our predictions later. I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball. But what I'm, maybe what I'm most interested in is how do the, the, this coaching staff 
What do they feel like the best yeah. way is to stop Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense, even if it doesn't work, even if it doesn't have the players? That's what I'm curious about, because I think that will be sort of telling because I do trust them in terms of coming up with the best plan. What What do you see from this? Defense? Couldn't agree more. Very well said. I. Uh, the Steelers under Mike Tomlin historically have been really good at coming up with bespoke game plans. They do a good job of changing what they do week in and week out, week out especially on the defensive side of the ball where Tomlin's background is, uh, to fit the team that they're facing. This is, I think, was a little bit more true uh, when Kevin Colbert was there. And I think that now with Terrell Austin, you're kind of still seeing if that's the case or not. But typically, they've been really good at that. So I'm very interested to see what they decide to do defensively in terms of taking away the Eagles' typical style. Because as we've always said, it's a very simple offense. If you can beat it, you can beat it. It's just a matter of, of having the horses and having the guys, having the techniques to be able to do so. Do they have that? I'm not sure. They're still quite a talented defense, even with TJ Watt not available. Uh, Cam Hayward's <laughs> so good. It's you re- think they're quite a talented defense without T.J. Watt? I would disagree with that. In terms of the personnel they've got, I th- think above average. Yeah, I think I think okay. I think Cam Hayward's right now playing as well as any defensive tackle in the league. Uh, Alex Highsmith, who's their usually their second rusher to T.J. Watt, is taking over the end of the primary rusher role. And I think he's having a very very quality season. Not as productive as he was with Watt there. Obviously, he's they're able to get more attention to his side. But I've been impressed with Highsmith's play, run and pass, over the course of the first six weeks of the season. This is the best I've seen Devin Bush play, period. Uh, like, I, I'm not, not going to tell you that Devin Bush is like a great starting linebacker right now, but he actually, like, like I think the, the benching and the Miles Jack signing like kind of lit a fire under him. He's playing quite well. And Jack's still a solid player. So they got two decent interior linebackers. Uh, and then in the third level, this is where the injuries have obviously made things tough for yeah. them. Minka's still playing at a very high level. Uh, getting Cameron Sutton back is a big deal because it's what lets them play man and feel comfortable with that. Sutton's a pretty solid man cover corner, can play inside and out, which is really, really nice. And then Terrell Edmonds is what he is, but what he is is useful in terms of get, them getting him downfield and getting him on blitzes and getting him into the box. He's a heat seeking In this missile. game specifically, yeah. yeah. Edmonds is a big, like, this is what, Mar- like, if Marcus Epps is good, it's in the Terrell Edmonds mold, right? Where it's just like, I'm fast, I'm physical, I'm in a straight line, I'm downhill, I'm making tackles, I'm contact, and like, I'm going to give you up stuff in coverage, I'm going to miss reads when I'm, I'm in the back, I don't have like the transition movement, but if you put me on a line, I'll go hit somebody. And that's very valuable to them. The one guy that I, I also swung by, going back to the, the defensive line, I got too excited about, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi was a, an off-season signing for them, and he's been really nice from the interior, yeah. he's been a good nose tackle for them. Uh, you can take advantage of these corners when you get them in man coverage, there's no doubt about that especially when Cam Sutton's not playing, but when he is and you get Levi Wallace or Arthur Millette or James Pierre out on the field, like all these guys are, are uh, take advantage of a bull. Uh, losing a Keller Weatherspoon was a big deal for them and they haven't really figured out exactly what they want to be in the corner rotation since losing him. So you have that. And then Jack and, and, and uh, Devin Bush, like I said, they play well. I've been impressed with them. The way that the Eagles are able to beat up on smaller linebackers with their interior runs can be a very big deal. Like, firstly, Jalen Hurts is as big as Devin Bush. So that's number one. Like, you're like, oh, you get like, you know, quarterback versus a linebacker in space. Yeah, Hurts is bigger than Bush. Like, they're, they're, you have that to start with. But secondly, um, when you're getting guys up to the second level, the Eagles interior is so good at climbing and getting a hand on linebackers. Bush and Jack are not built for those run at you sort of plays. They're usually protected by Cam Hayward. And that's what makes just this a huge guard center defensive tackle game like if the Steelers can't win with Ogunjobi and Hayward up against Kelsey Dickerson Samalu 
they cannot win this game because the Eagles will go straight Jacksonville Jaguars on them and just run it between the tackles until the cows come home. Because if, if Hayward and Ogajobi aren't winning that, there is not enough strength in the in the in the edges playing the run like alex highsmith malik reed is their starting outside edge group that's not a good edge group against the run writ large they're not the biggest group they're not gonna like they stick jump down inside make tackles in the b gap that's not them jack and bush aren't going to do it for you they need hayward and Joby to win uh particularly kelsey versus Joby is a huge deal because if there are players that that kelsey struggles with it's guys of Joby's mold not just dudes who are bigger than him but dudes who are bigger than him and also squatty Right, like not like the upright guys, because Kelsey gets underneath the, the the taller dudes and can move them. These kind of squattier, thicker guys, your Javon Hargrave builds, those are the guys that have given Kelsey, if anybody's given him problems, it's those guys over the course of his career. Uh, and so he, that's your matchup right there is is ninety seven and I think Uncle Joey's ninety one uh, against the Eagles interior. If the Steelers can stop that, they they've got a chance to win this game overall. They'll be able to dial up some pressure, run some zone coverages, do the stuff they want to do. If they can't, Miles Sanders running for one hundred twenty and and good night. Yeah, you look at it, their pass rush, like you mentioned, has not been good this year. I mean, really bottom of the league, 27th in sack rate, 29th in pressure rate. Obviously not having T.J. Watt is a huge deal. It's really Highsmith, Hayward. Uh, and that's it. I mean, Ogunjobi is a nice player. He initially signed a big deal with the Bears last offseason. Then there was an injury thing. They backed out of it. And then he landed uh, with the Steelers there. They don't blitz a lot. They blitz below league average. So it'll be interesting to see if they change that out here. Most popular coverages, cover three, cover one, and cover two. I think they play cover two at the second highest rate of any team in the NFL. They will disguise out of those looks for sure. Uh, they've played They've played man at probably a higher percentage than someone would think when you look at their cornerbacks. It's It's been a top 10 rate uh, in terms of man coverage this year. So uh, I like Hayward. I like uh, Minka Fitzpatrick as an all-pro type player. Uh, other than that, I see a lot of guys who could kind of go um, either way, but we'll see. Like we said, we're they're a well-coached group. They have veteran coaches. We'll see what kind of game plan they come up with here. A couple weeks ago, I mean, they're big underdogs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they win that game 20 to 18. All right, let's take a quick break here and we will come back and get to your mailbag questions. Shield breaking interdivisional news in inter intra. Oh. What's what's it when it, the Cowboys are doing it? Interdivision. Anyway, yeah. uh yeah. Cowboys are trading draft pick compensation to the Raiders for defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. Uh, the Cowboys have like two issues on defense right now. One is corner depth, Jordan Lewis getting hurt. The other is they needed a big big nose tackle. Like we talked about when the Eagles play them, they're just light on the interior. Uh, this is a very good trade for the Cowboys. Hankins is like not what he used to be, but Hankins is a son of a gun to deal with in the running game. He is an annoying player on first and second down. It's a very smart trade for the Cowboys. Cowboys defense just got better. I thought it was going to be Jerry Judy when you said, uh, when you said, Cowboys trade for. I thought it's got a little more juice. So when you say you don't give me a run stop and defensive tackle, I got it. But I understand. I understand. As the Eagles fans will know after six weeks of the season, run stop and defensive tackles matter. <laughs> this has been a big theme. Backups. Yeah. yeah I don't mind. Uh, I, Jerry Judy to the Cowboys makes a lot of sense. Is that something you've been noodling on? No, I mean, he, his name has been out there a mm -hmm. little bit, right? Jerry, Jerry I mean, I, I don't know what the Broncos are going to do. I have no idea yeah. if they're going to trade players, keep players, what their plan is. But I just saw his name out there and thought, oh, that would be uh, interesting. The Cowboys, uh, we'll get to this in a little bit. But yeah, their odds for like all the NFC stuff, they're basically the second team behind the Eagles. And so you might not think of it that way, but they've really got an opportunity um, to, to make some noise if they make some more moves maybe here at the deadline. All right, question number three. 
Quibi Influencer. What a what a Twitter handle that is, Quibi Influencer. How much scrutiny on Johnny G's defense is fair? I feel like I have to answer. I feel like this one's probably mostly direct. I would say 100% uh, of the scrutiny on this podcast is fair, and then I have no idea everybody else is up for debate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here's my... T- so, all right, the numbers are great. They're fourth in defensive DVOA. They're second in EPA per drive. My opinion, and this is just giving you my honest opinion, no, you know, no personal grudges or anything like that. This is just what I think when I watch them. I think the Eagles' defense so far is more of a Howie Roseman victory lap than a Jonathan Gannon victory lap. That's just how I feel. I look at the talent and I say, there's probably 15 to 20 defensive coordinators in the NFL who could be producing a top five defense with the group they've got right now. I mean, they've got, I think, eight of 11 starters making $7 million or more per year. Now, I just, you know, I know that's that's a weird number to pick out, but I was just going through the salaries and that's what it came out to. I mean, they're strong at corner. They've invested in the defensive line, uh, you know, the the linebackers and, and safety. That's where you kind of have to do a little bit more with less. And, I, and we can certainly give him credit for putting guys like TJ Edwards and Kaiser White in positions to succeed. Uh, that's just how I see it. They have not faced an offense that ranks in the top 10 in offensive DVOA. And as we've said, they're not going to face a lot of great offenses i mean right now did you know the giants are seventh in offensive dvoa i mean that is incredible with that with that group of players that they are uh they're like right behind the eagles in some of these statistical mm-hmm. metrics which i never would have guessed before the season the packers are still 10th in offensive dvoa which kind of surprised me because they have looked like a mess uh as of late so i'm giving johnny gans credit for being better than last year for being more varied than he was last year i'm giving him credit for that performance against the vikings I thought that's definitely one game where you can point to and say, yes, the scheming, the play calling, the plan, they were all on point against what's up probably slightly above average offense. I wish we could have seen them against the Jaguars in normal weather conditions because I didn't know that uh, what the rain would do to Trevor Lawrence. I mean, talk talk about kryptonite right there. The man broke him. They're they're 0-4 since that game. I mean, so I just look, I try to, I try to take a step back and look at everything and say, what is my opinion of the defense? And that's my opinion uh, of the defense. So I don't know if that's fair, unfair or what. I don't know if uh, Benny Souls agrees, disagrees with my assessment, but that's how I see it. You said eight of 11 starters making at least 7 million per year. Yeah, and I don't know where that. That's I. So I hate putting out stuff like that because I don't know where that ranks league wide. It seems like a lot. No, it, it definitely seems feels like, like a not lot. being asked. So to the do three who aren't are what Epps, Edwards, and Kaiser or Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Kaiser's making seven million per year. Oh, okay, so maybe no, no. So maybe it's you know what I included Brandon Graham in there, and he's not a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So it would Rotational probably guy. be yeah. One, I was just two, curious. Seven, I, was, I was thinking it through in my head. No, you're absolutely right in the sense that. Uh, the expectation with this level of defensive talent is and should be a very highly ranked defense, which begs the question, why after the Chargers acquired Khalil Mack and with Joey Bosa already in the building and with JC Jackson, with their engine, like why are the Chargers good with Brandon Stays, the head coach, who's like this defensive savant and everything like that? Good point. Yeah. The, the line for me is always defense is very volatile. Defense is a really hard thing to capture in terms of Week to week, EPA per play, success rate allowed per drive, you know, opponent yards per play. Like we are pretty good at figuring out which offenses are solid and which ones aren't. Defense is a lot harder because defense is a lot more matchup oriented. Always for me, if I like 
if if you told me I had to be on a, a Ringer NFL pod right now in an hour that I didn't prepare for at all, and you told me I had to talk about the Bengals offense and the Raiders defense, I would look up numbers to the Bengals offense and I would watch the Raiders defense if I were forced to. Like if I want to figure out if a defense what a defense is doing, I want to see them play. I want to see them play against different side of offenses, what they do, what they don't. So for me, what what I always come back to with Gannon is I I watch what they're doing. This year, they're more aggressive. They're more physical. They're better communication. They are a better coach to defense than they were last year, comfortably. The good players are being put in more positions to be successful. The bad players are being uh, uh, hidden uh, better. And the the game plans are more oriented towards opposing quarterbacks, right? That Vikings game stands out where it was like they never blissed like this ever last year. They played Derek Carr and they played jo- uh, Justin Herbert and they just completed 90% of the passes. And Kirk could have easily done that to them. And, he, and he, Gannon did not let him because they blitzed him. That's the sort of stuff that makes me very, very enthusiastic, optimistic. However, the Gannon scrutiny that we do on this podcast to me is very fair because you watch them. They have three personnel packages. It's actually not true. They have, they have more now. They put out like a blitz package on third down, like number four. But going into the Cowboys game, they had played like three total personnel packages. They had two total fronts. They were very much so like, if X, then Y. If not X, then Z. And, and, and that simplicity is going to get picked on over time, right? It sounds like we're just kind of saying the same thing offensive defense, but it's true to both sides of the ball. The continued wrinkling of this defense, the continued expanding of this defense, the additional layers of complexity, ways to disguise tendency is very, very important. And a lot of what we've seen Gannon improve on from year one to year two is the Vic Fangio influence is kind of Fangio who's, who's been around the Eagles facility and people have reported that he's, consulting with the Eagles defense like a lot of it is very Fangio-y so okay what does what does Gannon bring to the table as we go through the rest of the season that to me still deserves a lot of attention yeah I I think it's well said and the the one number that is interesting and I think we talked about this on the last pod but they're six they're sec they're 16th in success rate defensive success rate right now, which measures just, is it a positive play or a negative play? Uh, A pick six on third and seven is treated the same as if you give up a five-yard completion and force the team to punt. They are both, in terms of EPA, considered successful. And so sometimes you look at a team that might be uh, second in DVOA and 16th in success rate, it might mean that the high leverage stuff is going their way. They're creating a lot of turnovers, which we know the Eagles are creating a lot of turnovers. They're not, you know, giving up hugely explosive plays. Some of the randomness that might not go in your favor for an entire season is kind of going their way. And so that's something to keep an eye on. You know, if they have some games coming up where they don't force a lot of turnovers, are they getting consistent stops or not? All right. Question number four, Brian asks trade deadline questions. What position is the biggest priority? Any specific players to target? Lastly, how many chips should Howie push in? Should he trade a first rounder for this team? Now, we talked about some of this, uh, certainly in last week's episode. Uh, I thought your Xavier Woods recommendation was a good one. I saw Jimmy Kemsky suggest maybe you'd bring back Rodney McLeod. I feel like they need someone in that third safety spot that raises the floor because right now, man, if you suffer an injury there and you don't make a move, uh, I'm pretty concerned about that spot. Uh, I've got one more here, but any, any other, uh, any other thoughts on the, uh, the question or safety or anything? Yeah, I think, uh, safety is a spot to watch. I still think running back is a little bit more important in my opinion. However, the fact that the Eagles did not trade a sixth round pick for James Robinson leads me to believe that they do not share my opinion or they feel very strongly they're getting somebody else. There's been a lot of like Kareem Hunt smoke around the Eagles right now. And if the Eagles 
knowing what the Eagles like at running back and knowing the way Howie likes to do business, if he felt like he had a beat on Kareem Hunt, he would not have spent time trying to get James Robinson. Especially because... I have two other. Yeah. Let me give you two other running... Run, one is we talked about last week. Uh, I think David Montgomery, if it's the same deal, a yeah. sixth that can become a fifth for David Montgomery. Are you doing that deal? I am doing that deal. Yes, I'd, I would do that deal. I'd be surprised if the Bears want to move off of him as much as the Jags felt comfortable moving off of Robinson. But if they do, go for it. I don't know. Herbert was play. Herbert was getting all the carries. It felt like uh, in that game. I mean, Montgomery mixed in. I don't know what the final snap count was. Herbert's got juice. But it man. feels like, yeah, Herbert was the one. And here's another guy. I haven't seen this guy's name uh, thrown about much. But how about Antonio Gibson? Do you like an Antonio Gibson? I mean, they they don't like an Antonio yeah. Gibson. As I've said before, you want to look for guys who are kind of kind of in the coach's doghouse, but might have some talent. I thought he's a good player, and maybe for the exact same, you know, that same price, fifth or sixth round pick, you could get an Antonio Gibson. Your thoughts? I tweeted about Antonio Gibson after he caught the touchdown against the Packers, where I was like, oh, that's oh. right. I kind of forgot that that very talented, large pass-catching back was yeah. in Washington where they don't like him. Uh, I would trade for Antonio Gibson if Washington was comfortable doing interdivision, intradivision trades, which you know are rare but possible. Yeah. Um, Gibson's not going to solve your pass protection issues, which is the main thing I want to solve at the back spot, but Gibson is going to give you really cool stuff in terms of the wrinkles that you can add to this offense because he's another lineup in the slot, lined up out, uh, lined up out wide, lined up in the backfield sort of player. Gibson's a very fun guy to think about. Uh, he'd be a luxury, yeah. but I would like him. Um, at safety, the other name that comes to mind in terms of veteran guys who can come in and make sense is Kareem Jackson from the Broncos, who Kareem's on like a, a $2 million. He's on like a one-year rental deal. He kind of just like hung around for another year. Um, but they don't need him to play in the slots. They have Quan Williams. Uh, and then they had this rookie who had, or not rookie, second-year player, Caden Stearns, who had to play when Justin Simmons was out to start the year. And Stearns was freaking nuts. Stearns was really good. He's banged up right now, but I think he's like a week-to-week. -week. I don't think he's the guy they expect to miss a ton of time. Uh the two best safeties in that room right now are Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns. Kareem's still a solid player, though. So in terms of your like third safety, you can play the nickel. If the Broncos are in a selling position, I'd call back Kareem Jackson. Corey Gramish type move that would uh, probably, you know, older guys, what, 34? Yeah, but Corey like Graham that. was bad. Kareem's pretty good. Uh, he had some moments. He Corey drove me nuts, man. Corey, oh you think God. Marcus Epps drove me nuts. Corey Graham drove me up the wall. You, like, wall. hated everything about the team that won. The, I mean, all these super Jim Schwartz, Corey Graham. Yeah. We yes, have, the we only reason Corey Graham was on the team is because he played for Jim Schwartz at Buffalo. They go part and parcel. <laughs> and, of course, Kareem Jackson was signed to play in the Fangio Right, yeah, he's been there. He was there with Fangio, so they got they should have some intel on uh, on him there. So that that's a good name to bring up. Who could maybe raise the floor there? All right, question number five. M Process asks, I think it should be spelled Benny Souls, S O L S. Now, lot of I mean, geez, a lot of feedback on this. My like, my mother agrees. I didn't share this with you, but she told me this very early in the season. Oh. That it's this well, here here are the different ones I've seen. Well, I think I spelled it S O U L S, which I thought was great because you know you got some soul. It's like really getting to the heart of the matter. People didn't like that. Then there's S O L E S, which is like the soul of your shoe. I guess that would be, and then S O L S, 
which I guess is nothing, but it's like kind of just add an S to how your name is spelled. Soul Lack, Soul S. Mm -hmm. uh, so which now I'm like, you know, if, if Darius Leonard wants to be called Shaquille Leonard, I'm calling him Shaquille Leonard. If, if Darius Slay wants to be called uh, Slay, I'm going to call him Slay. I think you, the person, have the right to be called what you want to be called and spelling also. So you make the call here. How should we spell Benny Souls? We should really need to just do what your mom said. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah, I think S-O-L-S makes the most sense because it's a shortening of, okay. of Solak. I think if, if somebody without the context saw Benny Souls, S-O-U-L-S, they would assume I'm a, I'm the Grim Reaper. I'm the collector of souls. There's I a, would say like a jazz musician. Right. I disagree. At the, or, I see you that, with like a saxophone. I'm a particularly soulful person, which I would love to lay claim to. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that, that that's me as much. So uh, to me, souls is S-O-L-S. Makes no sense. S-O-L-E-S, unacceptable. Never that. Uh, S-O-U-L-S, also yeah. fine. Okay, uh, we'll go S-O-L-S. I'm not going against Mama Solak. I love that she had a take on this. Uh, that's fantastic. And in the meantime, if anybody wants to send like a Photoshop of uh, Ben Solak uh, playing the saxophone with like an R.I.P., we can bid farewell <laughs> to Benny A little, little grayscale photo. I like that. Yeah, yeah, S-O-U-L-S yeah. <laughs> is officially dead. All right, question number six. Sheil, you generally seem to have a more energetic, less curmudgeonly vibe than on Birds with Friends. Do you agree? And why do you think that is? Not that I'm complaining at all. All right. So we got your name thing out of the way. Now they want to know about my... Pre I think it's because I have to be the, the host here. You know, I have to uh, set the tone. I'm the first voice you hear. And I, I've always said podcasting is about, do you want to hang out with the host or do you not want to hang out with the host? Content aside, that's really what it comes down to. I generally hate that uh, quarterback, you know, Hertz and Sanchez say the thing about you want to be the thermostat, not the temperature. I actually don't agree with that. I feel like most of the time in my life, I like to gauge the room, gauge the environment and then kind of blend in and, and bring my energy level to whatever is appropriate. But it probably does apply to hosting a podcast. So uh, it's not that one is real and one is fake. You know, I have different sides to me like everybody else. I'm a, I'm a layered uh, individual. My, my wife gets mad and says, uh, I never get excited about anything. She'll come in, tell me something and expect a big reaction. And I won't have much of a reaction. So I would say that was more birds with friends, Sheil. But I have another side that I think people would describe as uh, pleasant to be around, a little more high energy. And so that that's the Ringer uh, Philly special for who ben, you hung out with me when we're not on the mics. I mean, how, how would you assess it? Well, who, you haven't seen the Miserable version as much. No, I think. Who, who would not become a happier camper moving from Bo Wolf to Ben Solak? Just oh by associate, just by adjacency. <laughs> Did, I, if, if I, like, that's when you're with Bo, you have to be. Every time I interact with Bo, I always come up and I'm just like my usual self. And I'm like Bo, and I'm like excited to see him, and it's fun. And then he makes some sort of comment, and I'm like, oh, that's right, I forgot. We were supposed to be surly and 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 and, and persnickety and make comments about things. You gotta tamper it down. No, I love Bo to death. Uh, Bo's literally one of my favorite writers, and favorite people in the world. It's incredible. Um, but no, I I've always found you to be a, an extremely pleasant ray of sunshine. I think that. In the birds with friends, sunshine. I've definitely never been described as that before. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a soft ray. It's a pleasant. It's not a glaring ray. The like guy, <laughs> I as a, as a, I could be a garish ray of sun, sunshine. You're like a very nice, like low fall day ray, very pleasant. You know, casting an amber glow in the room. Uh, when did it, like birds with friends era started? When Tw like right around 2017, right? Super Bowl season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At August. Yep. I think all Eagles podcasts that went from 2017 to 2020 hit a note there by the end of like, hey, this sucks. Because it did. We won yeah, a Super Bowl. And then true. things like fell apart in, in very uncomfortable ways in terms of like 
the quarterback and, you know, Doug being fired with, with, with uh, the politics that went behind that and everything like, and the uh, team was very tough with reporters over the course of those few years with like the Wentz injuries and like all the behind the scenes, like does the locker room really like him and stuff. So I don't, yeah, I think like you'd be hard pressed to be an Eagles podcast in the 2018 to 2020 era and not be a little bit curmudgeonly. It was a curmudgeonly team. It's a good point that we probably don't give this team enough credit for just being fun to watch. I always say championships are overrated. The three hours you spend every Sunday, or if it's basketball, two and a half on a Tuesday afternoon in January, or if it's baseball, the, the you know three hours that you're spending in late July, are you enjoying that experience or not enjoying that experience? And man, this Eagles team, if you're an Eagles fan, has been uh, very no six and zero. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch. So if they lose some games, we'll see. But I they, they're one they're winning in a fun way. They seem to be a likable group. Uh, they play with joy as opposed to, as I said last night on Extra Point Taken, the Los Angeles Chargers who do not play with any joy. So that's something not to be taken for granted. All right. Question number seven. Yatin asks, what do you see as the real upside for the Eagles? They look to have a decent chance of having to only play two home games to win the NFC, but would you consider them favorites even at home against January Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers if Green Bay gets things back on track. How do you feel? How do you feel about their status in the NFC? Are they overwhelming favorites? Is there a team or two that you say, you know what, if they face them in the playoffs, I'd be pretty nervous about? Like you, you have your pulse on the entire league. How, how, how would you answer that question? Yeah, in the bye week, the Eagles were plus 230 to win the NFC. So paying out more than two to one if you've been the Eagles to win the NFC. I took that and I took it pretty heavily from a midseason bet. Mm. Um, it's because of not just how good the Eagles look, but also the ease of their schedule and the the poor play of the other teams around them. Like the reason, as you brought up that's earlier, to, the, sorry, that's that's to get to the Super Bowl from the NFC, not to be the one seed. That's correct? to be the one seed. Oh, to be the one yeah. seed. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that is, as you said earlier, like the 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 team that is second in all of those markets is the Cowboys because it's implied that if the Cowboys are like. If it's not the Eagles, it's way more likely to be the Cowboys because they're in the division. I mean, something happened to the Eagles, right? Outside of, of the NFC East contenders, which are like Dallas and then like to a very, 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 very small degree, the Giants, just because of the record they've started with. Uh, there, are very, there's, there are very few teams that scare you. The, set, the scariest team outside of the NFC East right now is San Francisco? The Seahawks? Well, I, ha- I was looking at the betting markets and I was looking at football outsiders Outside, yes, San Francisco, or I'm not going to quit Tampa yet. It looks terrible. This is a low point. If you told me come late December or January, they're playing a lot better. That doesn't seem crazy to me. Uh, So I think it's probably one of those two teams. Yeah, it's not a scary NFC right now. With that said, the team that the Eagles end up playing in the NFC divisional round off of the bye, in the NFC championship game after winning off of their, their first playoff game is inevitably going to have some good stuff going for them, right? Like you brought up right. like January Tom Brady. Well, if the, if it's the bucks that are playing, it won't just be January Tom Brady. It'll be like, Oh, the defense has gotten a lot better. Oh, they've changed the running back rotation. Fournette looks really bad. Rashad white looks really good. They probably started playing Rashad white a lot more and he brought brought some juice. So there's going to be a lot, that goes around that team that the Eagles play in that NFC playoff game that we can't anticipate now. In the same way, there'll be a lot going on with the Eagles that we, you know, can try to prognosticate to. Like, oh, Jordan Davis takes a step forward. You know, uh, yeah, they they have a new running back. Kareem Hunt's changed the running game. Like, you know, we, we can guess, but we don't really know at. Uh, as of right now, the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC with a bullet. 
and and expectation should be that they win the the, the they, they win the first uh the, the regular season title they get the first seed and then they have to win a couple playoff games and going back to august podcasts i wanted to see how this team looks against playoff caliber teams so far i think they've played two in the vikings and in the cowboys looks pretty good and so you expect them then if they deal with like a four seed falcons team at nine and eight that won the nfc south they should handle that team that's your that's your high-end expectation right now is not just get the buy but continue to look so good against playoff teams that they're favored and expected to win those nfc playoff games yeah so some numbers here football outsiders gives the eagles a 71 percent chance to be the number one seed, which I don't know what their highest numbers have been after week seven of an NFL season, but I can't imagine many teams have gotten higher than 71%. Now, if you look at the betting market, it's different. Ben said he got plus 230. FanDuel right now, it's plus 200 that they uh, are the one seed, which is, you know, the implied odds there are about 33.3%. And so it's like a totally different story than the uh, advanced metrics might tell you. The betting markets are different. They would still say, hey, take the field against the Eagles uh, if you have the chance. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Football Outsiders has the biggest threats to the Eagles for the one seed, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers in that order. The betting market has the biggest threats to the Eagles as the number one seed as the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Bucks, the 49ers, and the Rams. So uh, similar teams, the you know football outsiders believes a little bit more in the Seahawks than the betting markets do, uh, but still Cowboys and Vikings just because the Vikings have the best record of the group, not because they're necessarily the best team. And then the other thing I thought was interesting there's this site in predictable where you can look at like how much would a team be favored over another team right now. Uh, and if the Eagles played the bucks, the Niners, uh, the bucks or the Niners at home right now, I, I want to guess they would be given okay. what you've yeah, told what you me. I'm guessing over the bucks, they'd be like four point favorites. Good call. Yeah. What? Four against the okay. bucks and the Niners. Niners. What do you think no, 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 don't say, Niners, don't say Niners. Don't say Niners. Oh, oh sorry. Niners. I'm guessing like, Five and a half. Niners is four also. Oh, okay. Wow. Similar power rankings for Bucks Niners. Well, I get like, I would have the Niners a better team than the Bucks, but like DVOA and a lot of power rankings seem to have the Bucks over the Niners. So it surprises me. Uh, what do you got for the Cowboys? Eagles home field Cowboys right now. I mean, they were six and a half two yeah. weeks ago. Nothing's changed, right? So I would say six. Well, yeah, a lot. Of, you no, know, a lot has changed. Well, Dax, Dax, back. Dax back, right. I'm still at six, I would say. Four and a half. That's fine. Di- and the Cowboys and the Cowboys won that game last week. Last week, so this is updated. Uh, and then the Packers. What do you got? Home against the Packers right now. Uh, see, now this is where we're getting skewed by what I would do versus what books would do. Because I would make the Eagles right now, but the Packers at home, like the the Bills are minus ten and a half right now against the Packers at home. I'd make the Eagles like minus eight and a half. Ooh, baby! Wow, five and a half or six. That's a bad take. That that Packers and Bucks require updating. <laughs> this is not my take. I know. No, I know. No. No. I know. I'm saying. I'm saying unpredictability has got a bad take. Shame. So there you go. So to answer the question, they're pretty significant favorites in the NFC right now. Anything can happen. Well, it's only week seven. We'll see what happens at this time last year. Uh, nobody liked the Eagles. Everyone thought the coaching staff was outmanned. We couldn't figure out why they were running the ball three times a game. We couldn't figure out why they were forcing a uh, square peg into a round hole. We hated the defense had just given up, what, 90% completions to Derek Carr. So that's good context. A lot changes the rest of the way. And so we will see. But yeah, right now they are in very good shape. All right. 
Question number eight, Dave Mulhern says, it's Saturday afternoon. I can't wait to get your answer to this one. It's Saturday afternoon. Your work is done. The rest of the family is out doing something or otherwise accounted for. You have the rest of the day free and to yourself uh, for the sake of framing, let's say rest of the day, but not overnight. How do each of you fill that time? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it depends on like my energy levels and my like list of, of objectives. Like mayor was, was out of town this past Saturday. So I was, I was home free all Saturday and I got, I first, I went outside did a long walk, which was very nice. Beautiful fall weather right now, Michigan, man. Love a walk. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. I, uh, Put some AirPods in. one of the things I miss the most. No, 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 no music. No podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. You just go. You like the nature. If you I, want if, the, if, you if like if the I ambience. If I can convince myself to leave them at oh, home, you listen I'm always so happy that I do. Sometimes I fail to. And I'm like, no, I need to listen to the football shows. And I, no, you don't. You've listened to enough yeah. football shows. Um, which I, one of the things I miss the most about living in Pennsylvania is the fall foliage. Because we get it for like a solid month in, where I'm, like in northeast Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Michigan, it's like a 10-day two week window you gotta hit it so it's beautiful right now in my neighborhood it's very very nice do that i did i'm doing a ton of, of like yard work and lawn work and like all the the new house things i've never had to do before so that's what my saturdays typically are if it's more like you know i think a, a, a regular week and also probably i need to recuperate from an nfl an nfl week a little bit then um yeah i'll play i'll put something stupid on the tv i'll put some like old rerun of a movie or some tv show and then i'll play chess uh, i'll play Catan online i'll play pokemon i'll play just any game that, that i can like play like half mindlessly uh and that to me that's the easiest way to sink a couple of hours is to just be like doing chess puzzles or just like like uh like playing Catan and just any any game that is pseudo competitive that'll that'll be fun for me that's how i'll eat, eat my time away interesting okay that's good i feel like we learned a lot about you there uh for me if the weather is relatively nice and i will i was able to pre-plan I'm seeing if I can get a little golf in. It's been, you know, as I've gotten older, this has been something I've enjoyed. I just started playing a couple of years ago and I find it fun. It's relaxing and you get, well, I don't know if it's relaxing, but you get to be outside for four to five hours. You're hanging out with your friends. Uh, you got a little competitiveness. And as you're old, you get to try to improve at something uh, that you're terrible at. And so you, there's not a lot of those things. Once <laughs> See, you I have no interest 40, in golf you know? and that's the main thing is like, there's so much in my life that I want to get better at already that to try to... To take on a hobby like golf that requires such improvement <laughs> to me seems just like ridiculous. But maybe when I'm older. See, I have nothing else that I'm just like everything else. I am what I am. Take it or leave it. <laughs> this is one thing I can maybe uh, improve at. So that's one. If I can't, you know, if it had, you haven't been able to pre-plan, if I'm just staying at home, I like to get a little exercise in. You know, that's another thing. You get older, you got to get it's hard during the week to get the get some workouts in with the schedule. So maybe put in some uh, put in a podcast in the in the in the ears uh maybe put on a college football game there maybe play you know throw a little lettuce maybe throw a little lettuce on a college football game you're watching it you got something riding on it oh i forgot about that yeah saturday working up a sweat football on yeah yeah, 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 Yeah. for sure yeah so that's nice uh maybe go out grab a coffee come back catch up so you got to catch up on the tv that you and your wife don't watch together for me at least that's key oh okay i'm really trying to convince mayor that that's an acceptable way of consuming a show. And I've yet to get her on board. Like we're like three episodes behind the house, of the dragons. So we haven't found a time to watch together. And I'm like, Mary, if you just like watch it one night when like I'm watching Monday night football and I'm no, 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 she's right. She's right. If it's a show you watch together, you watch the show together. You can't watch it separately. I'm saying said. like, I, I, 
No, 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 no. Okay. I, you, you misunderstood. Okay. I'm saying if there's a show that your wife doesn't watch, like I, uh, I am in, like the rehearsal. Okay, right. Like I'm two, I have two episodes left of the rehearsal. Oh, I'll never I know watch I don't the rehearsal. have to say you. You could not. You could not put me in a chair and shackle me down and force you to watch that. My oh. second secondhand embarrassment so is good. my most crippling social <laughs> experience, and watching shows like that like physically cost me pain. I cannot stand them. Oh, I would say the opposite for there's, there's no show. There's no person who's probably entertains me more who I'm just fully engrossed in what I'm watching on TV than Nathan Fielder. So yeah, I would maybe grab a coffee and throw on one of those shows that I don't watch with my wife. It's a show you watch with your wife. You got to watch the show together. You can't be doing that. I'll watch it this time. You watch it that time. That has to be a togetherness thing. And obviously, you know, I'm not cooking. So order some food, you know, grab some, get a little DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever, and do that. So this has me excited. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have any of these days coming up uh, anytime soon. We got a full docket of Saturdays with a lot of sports going on, which is also pleasant, which I love uh, as well with the kids. But that's oh, yeah. what I would do. I'm yeah, glad you're a February. big uh, DoorDash Uber Eats guy when uh, the family's gone, because all the time, Mayor, Mayor loves to cook. Mayor loves to make food. It's their favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. So Mayor's going to leave for a weekend. All the time, she's like, there's this food in the fridge and there's that food in the fridge. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I could just walk to the fridge and go get the food that's there. Or I could press six buttons and then a hamburger would come. And I always, yeah. always end up doing that. And then like an hour before Mare comes back, I have to really quickly eat the food in the fridge. So it looks like that's what I ate over the course of the weekend. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if she's making food for you, wow, that's fantastic. It's nice to have both options. You know, during the pandemic, I was watching one of the the David Chang shows and I was just like, look at the heart and soul that these chefs put into their craft. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to reward them and, you know, order out. Uh, they yes. want to make food I'm going to start others. doing that. I want to That's support. very good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's the that's Support the these artists. Support the economy, your local economy. You don't have to order it from a, you know, a chain. You can support the small businesses. Oh, of course, of course. Make yourself, make yourself feel good, good about it uh, by ordering the food. All right. That was fun. Uh, question number nine. There were like a million questions on this, so I didn't pick just one. I was, I was surprised. Everybody wants to know about the Eagles' second-half struggles. Are we concerned? Are we not concerned? What do we see on film? What's the reasoning for them? How should they address them? I'll give you my take. I think it's like a small sample thing. I think it's a matter of they've outscored opponents on average by 13 points in the first half, which is by far the tops, uh, the best in the NFL. It's only natural that when you build up a lead that big, You're not just going to keep building on it and blow out teams by like 24 points every week. That doesn't happen in the NFL. And so whether it's letting your foot off the gas a little bit, playing a little bit more conservative, uh, not giving up the big play, not going for the big play, whatever. When they've had to have points in the second half the last two weeks, they've put together epic drives against both the Cardinals and the Cowboys. And so that should alleviate your concerns, in my opinion, a little bit. Now, if they do get down in one of these games, big, and they really have to pass the football, uh, yeah, I, I want to see what that looks like. I think yeah. that is worthwhile. That'll be interesting. But I don't see anything like, oh, my gosh, the, you know, the other teams are making incredible halftime adjustments, and the, the Eagles can't adjust, and they're getting smoked in the second half. I think it's mostly noise. Uh, I will say the numbers here, first-half offense, Eagles are First in EPA per drive, second half offense, 27th in EPA per drive. Uh, First half defense, second in EPA per drive, 
second half defense, 23rd in EPA per drive. So I'm not saying you're lying. Everybody who put in those questions, you're right. Statistically, I test, they have not been as crisp in the second half. Uh, I have not seen it as a big concern. Uh, Benny Souls, S-O-L-S, what do you say? Yeah, this is this is framing. You say the Eagles, why are they bad in the second half? I say, why are the Eagles so good in the first half? You know, like like it, it's because the Eagles are winning games. The story is like, wow, they keep failing in the second half. If the Eagles were like, like take the Ravens, for example, the Ravens through quarter one, quarter two and quarter three are uh, one of the best offenses and defense in the league with paper play. And then in the fourth quarter, they're absolutely abysmal. They're three and three. They're, they're four and three now to beat the Browns. When I was looking at these numbers most recently, they were three and three. And the whole story was like the Ravens defensive coordinator hire isn't good. And you know, everything is this and like, are they falling apart? And like, do they need to change this and the other thing? And it's like, man, they probably just need some more lucky coin flips in the fourth quarter. Like they, they, it, right. it'd be great if 90% of the NFL were predictable and luck were 10%. It's not the case. Luck's like at least 30, man. It, it, it's especially on small samples, six games into the season, seven games into the season. So you say Eagles are really good in the second half. I say, actually the Eagles are just getting extremely lucky in the first half and the second half is who they truly are. And they're actually a bad team. We are not, neither one of us is more right than the other. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the, the reality of like small samples and kind of splitting games in half and the noise of everything. Like people have talked about, oh, the Eagles don't make good coaching adjustments. They score a lot in the second quarter. I think they're making really good coaching adjustments. They just make them faster than the other teams do. They make them yeah, by the end of right. quarter one and then the other teams have to catch up at halftime. Like I don't, you know, there's, um, I think this is noise is, 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 is the long and the short of my point. I think that the Eagles are a good team. I think that their play over the course of, of six weeks of the season, when you just look at like overall EPA per drive, overall EPA per play speaks to the fact that they're a good team. And the fact that their bad plays tend to come when they're up 24 points is to me more indicative of how individuals behave when they're up 24 points than it is anything that's going to like stick over the course of a season. And it's, it's just wild how much one game, one play, one drive can affect these stats at this time of year with the small sample, that Cowboys game, the play we brought up last podcast where they have a shot to hit A.J. Brown for what was it, a 50 or 60-yard touchdown. The protection doesn't hold up. They don't make the play. If that if they make that play, now we're saying, wow, what a second half. Uh, they hit on that big play, and then they had a 70-yard drive, and they only had four possessions in the second half. Terrific second half. So uh, I would not put too much stock into that. All right. A voicemail for us that we are going to play here. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Hey guys, this is Maggie from Fairmount. Really love the podcast. Few things I gotta say here today. First, six and zero, baby. What other teams in the NFL can say that? Not a goddamn one. Especially not Daniel Dingus Jones from the New York Giants. Second. Nick Sirianni, he's just made for Philly, man. He got that dog in him. You know what I mean? One question I have for you guys. Now that we're in the bye week, do you guys see a Super Bowl happening this season? I sure as hell do. Go Birds, baby. Woo! I love trash talking the Giants for not being undefeated. And the Giants are like the most surprising record in the league as a one-loss team. I think that's going to pick up the right because it hasn't been a rivalry because the Giants have been, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL for five years. So whether you believe in them or not, that's kind of a fun thing to look forward to in the second half of the season. You get two games with the Giants who have become sort of this darling team. Their fans are feeling themselves uh, a little bit. I mean, I think we, you know, we addressed our Eagles Super Bowl team. Yeah, they're they're a Super Bowl team. It might not happen, but uh, they've got as good a chance as any team in the NFC right now. Yeah, I... uh... No, I right. We talked about this as good of a chance as anything. I think the most important thing from that voicemail is 
yeah, Philadelphia natives and Philadelphia fans continuing to buy the Nick Sirianni stock. Nick Sirianni is the 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 the, the best individual player on the Philadelphia Eagles who like executes his role to the best of his ability. It's not like AJ Brown catching over the middle of the field. It's not like Jordan Davis eating two gaps. It's Nick Sirianni pandering to Philadelphia fans. Just perfectly on the nose. I cannot wait to see what he does. The main reason I want the Phillies to keep winning is to keep seeing what Nick Sirianni does over the course of a week. Unbelievable content. Do you think Nick Sirianni has gotten too much credit, not enough credit or the appropriate amount of credit uh, in general, for the Eagles, six and zero start. Not enough. I. Uh, oh. Yeah, I would say that there is a. He gave away play calling, and the offense is much better from th- this year as opposed to last year, and so there's a movement to be like Shane Steichen, and I don't think it's all Shane. I think that giving the play calling is a generally smart move. Uh, for a coach and uh, for an offensive coach who wants to be like a game manager, wants to go for it on fourth downs, wants to have the, the mental bandwidth to make those decisions. Like if we look at the Giants right now, where Brian Dable is the head coach, but gave away play calling to Mike Kafka, and the Giants are really, really good offensively, much better than we thought they'd be. Like you said, doing such a good job kind of making chicken salad out of what they've been given with that depth chart. Because Dable wasn't there last year calling plays, the credit for that is going straight to Dable. So yeah, Dable came in and they, they figured out this offense. Nobody talks about Kafka, even though Kafka's calling the plays. It's only because we have the 2021 season, a season in which the Eagles were largely just like figuring stuff out as they went. They changed the offense drastically over the course of the year uh, that we think like, oh, the play calling moved to Steichen. The offense is better, thereby Steichen improved the offense. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think Sirianni was a much bigger part of the improvements to the offense from 2021 into 2022 than is implied by who has which role nowadays. And also Jeff Stoutland University has to get credit for the oh, uh, run game uh, architecture. I think, it, you know, the, the best staffs remind me of that 2017 staff where it's just everyone meshes well together. It's hard to really say this person was doing X, this person was doing Y, this person was doing Z. It sort of feels like that's where they have been offensively here. I mean, even, you know, a quarterback's coach like Brian Johnson. I mean, we don't know exactly what he does or what credit he deserves, but man, Jalen Hurts has absolutely uh, improved. So he deserves credit. Steichen for his in game play calling deserves credit Stoutland we've talked about and then you just made the case for Sirianni all right number 10 let's finish it out with some game predictions for Eagles Steelers let me double check the line here it was 10 and a half before the pod it is still 10 and a half points for the Eagles over the Pittsburgh Steelers uh who do you got Eagles should win this game be very very surprised if the Steelers have the success against the Eagles that they had, for example, against like Tampa Bay and what was a surprising win, they were a, a more than a touchdown underdog in that game because Tampa's just kind of running their head into a wall. They were they came in with an offensive game plan. It didn't work, and then they just did it for four more quarters. That was the way Tampa decided to be. The Eagles, the number one thing you would say about this coaching staff is that week over week, they're willing to change what they are offensively. Week over week, they, they kind of put their stuff out there. They see what things look like in the first quarter. How are you matching us? What do you like? What do you not like? Then they figure out what they want to be on offense, and they go. Uh, and so I, I don't anticipate them having that issue against the Steelers. I not sure the Eagles cover 10 just because I think Pittsburgh is a tough team. I think Pittsburgh is a hard team to beat by 10 and a half, 10 and a half. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, you haven't under Mike Tomlin. You really just don't see the Steelers get blown out that often. Uh, Eagles are a really good team, but the second half kind of sit on your, on your thumbs is there, right? Even if they jump out to a big lead, like the Steelers kind of played their way back into that Miami game. I could see them playing their way back into this, this Eagles game as well. So to me, I'm looking more at like a, like, you know, 27 to 
17, 27 to 19 sort of a game. Eagles beating the Steelers. Okay, so you've got Steelers covering, but Eagles winning the game. Uh, I'm in the same spot. Uh, Mike Tomlin has covered 62.7% of the time as an underdog, which is a ridiculously high rate. Now, I looked it up uh, using uh, True Media earlier today. Only five of those games have been a spread this big, 10 points or more. Mm-hmm. And in those games, he's one in four against the spread. But typically, he gets more from less. That's why uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic coach, a great coach. That's why he's never had a losing record. And so 10 and a half points. The Eagles easily could blow this team out. I mean, on paper, you look at it, the answers are there. The Steelers are disorganized organized on offense the Eagles should be the Eagles defense should be able to hold up well and the Eagles offense I mean this is a mediocre defense at best that they're going up against and against mediocre defenses they've played pretty well there's no big weather or anything I mean it's going to be I think around 60 degrees and uh, clear skies the total is 43 and a half here and so uh, I think special teams if there's if there's a game where it's going to bite them this potentially could be that game a lot of times when the Steelers, the Steelers don't have great special teams, but the Eagles have had mishaps. Like it feels like every week they have a mishap on special teams. So if there's a, a scenario where this game is closer than expected, or even the Steelers are in position to pull off the upset, I would keep an eye on special teams. But ultimately, uh, I just think the Eagles are a lot better. They're coming off a bye. They're well rested. Eagles 26, Steelers 17. And so the uh, Eagles don't cover, but they win the game pretty comfortably. I could see that being like 26-10, and then the Steelers tack on an elite touchdown for yep. cover or nah, something. Kenny Pickett's like going to end the fourth quarter like 14 for 22 for 93 yards and a pick. And then he's going to end the game like 27 for 36, 197 yards, yeah. two touchdowns and a pick. You're like, okay, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't count. That's not real. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right. Keep the reviews coming. We appreciate those. Keep the ratings, reviews, subscribe, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to have a Phillies World Series preview later this week. And I you even believe I'm saying that Phillies World Series preview. I'm going to have Phillies post-game pods on Friday night, on Saturday night. Benny Souls and I are going to be back Sunday night for an Eagles post-game pod. Then I'm going to have Phillies post-game World Series pods on Monday and Tuesday night. I guess we got to get get that figured out with extra point taken. I didn't think about that. Uh, but we will, this this feed is going to be uh, very alive here for the next week. So please make sure you are telling your friends, family, again, grab your kids' tablets. Just go ahead and download the podcast. It doesn't matter if they listen or if they don't listen, although we keep it clean. So if they do want to listen, go ahead and do that. All right, Benny Souls, anything else for you to promote before it we bid farewell. I uh, know all the usual stuff. Just, you know, I don't know. Do whatever you want. I read an article. I, oh, I can't remember who wrote it now. Let me see if I can find it very quickly. About Bryce Harper's at bat on which he hit that home run. I've been more interested in baseball than I've ever been, man. This is this is all right. This is the so people much have fun. been asking for it. Yeah, this yeah, is a very good jump time. On, jump on. Tune in Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I'll retweet the article team. when I find it. But this, yeah, I'm having a great time rooting for this team. Not so much watching them, but like, you know, like seeing clips on Twitter and then watching those and being like, oh, yeah. this is pretty sick. It's a good time. Whatever it takes. It's a fun team. It's going to be a fun series. You're taking on the villains, the Houston Astros. We will talk about all of it. All right. Thank you to Benjamin Solak, a.k.a. Benny Souls, S-O-L-S. We will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. <laughs>